Welcome to the Stay Unmuted podcast. My name is Kathy Trin, executive search consultant turned lifestyle entrepreneur and culture connector. Each week we'll bring you powerful interviews and on-the-go inspo to help you unlock your inner mastery. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Now let's unmute our mics and stay unmuted. I'm so excited to speak with Dennis Berry today, a life mastery coach and has been working with people worldwide for over 15 years. He has been sober since April 8th, 2003, during which time he became a successful businessman, athlete, and family man. His journey in recovery has helped him find his mission in life, which is to help others achieve inner peace and success and mastery in every area of their lives. Dennis knows what it's like to be helpless and hopeless with no positive direction. He's able to climb out of the gutter and transform his life, and he spends his life helping others do the same. Now let's get started. I can hear you. Can you hear me okay? Yep, here we are. We made it. Oh my gosh, my codependency was on fire right now. I was like, this man is... (laughs) (laughs) And I just... I was like, you know what? I just have to push through this because it's it has to work because it's worked for other guests too. So Dennis, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you so much. We can just chat for a little bit and then we can get started. Thank you. Is there anything that you need to say so that you can get comfortable in this conversation before we get started? No, I'm comfortable. You're awesome. I think we're going to have a fun talk. Yes, indeed, we are. I've been watching you on the internet, on LinkedIn, and you're just extraordinary. So I just want to say that, you know, let you know that I'm really excited to learn a lot more about you. The conversation that we'll have today is about codependency, addiction, and um, I think a couple of other bullet points that I jot down was reprogramming our subconscious mind as well. I thought that was a really good topic as well. Thank you. All right. Yeah, well, perfect. Yeah, we're gonna. It's gonna be perfect. I already, uh, I already know it. I think you're. I think you have a great energy and enthusiasm too. I love that. Oh, I love your energy too. Well, thank you so much. Okay, welcome. Thank you, Dennis Barry. I really appreciate you today on this podcast. As you know, I just recently launched Day Unmuted. And it's taken me so long. It's I think it's the perfectionism in me that's caused some procrastination leading into paralysis. And here we are. Again, I just want to say thank you so much for hopping on here today with me. Yeah, thank you for having me, Kathy. I'm really excited. And it's so funny that you were just talking to this will be a little side note here about your perfectionism causing procrastination because I was just with a client over the last couple of weeks who was actually for many months now and he's like I struggle with procrastination and finally two weeks ago I he was talking and I realized that his problem isn't procrastination it's perfectionism and we can analyze things to death and make trying to make sure everything's perfect and uh for a couple months we were he's like oh uh you know I I procrastinate and, and he he has a business and he's very successful and he's like, I'll procrastinate on sending these bids out. And they're like, you know, seven figure bids uh, for contracts. And um, he, he gets so stuck on making sure the slide presentations are perfect and some of the details, which is nice to do, but not when it causes so much paralysis, as you mentioned. Because uh, if we're in a flow state where we can trust our instincts, our guts, and just move 
and flow with life, then we don't procrastinate. Things just get done. So anyway, it was a great lead into what you were just talking about. Yeah, that's, it's, it's so perfect. I personally, um, from my end, I just put together a, um, a 30 page contract to present to a, a proposal to send over to a client as well. And my, uh, my partner said, you know what, just however it looks like, just send it out. And then if the client on the other end needs to revise it, then they'll come back, redline it. And then there you are. I grew up in an Asian household where if you don't do it right you know, then you get in trouble kind of thing. And it's like, you got to go to college and do this. And then the next step, you know, the next business is to get married and all of that. But I, I missed the mark on all areas of my life. And so there's a lot of disappointment growing up, but where does it come from? Just reflecting on your own background. Mm, Yeah. Great question. Yeah. uh, Everything, all of our harmful behaviors and beliefs come from our childhood, all of them. I mean, you know, and along the way, uh, in varying degrees, and along the way, maybe some trauma happens, some sort of abuse or some sort of uh, accident or something happens maybe a little later on. But for the most part, our beliefs and behaviors are formed between the ages of like zero and 18. And, you know, a lot of them between zero and five. And it's really sad that that's the case, especially if you're unaware, because at that age, we're really not qualified. (laughs) to develop these kinds of life uh, leading behaviors and beliefs uh, at the age of five years old or two years old or three years old. So um, what happens is they lead into what's called, uh, and I'm not sure if you know about this stuff, but like the inner child work or the emotional childhood wounds. Are you aware of those things? I am. I am. I'm not, I'm not a clinician, but I definitely know that I personally have had struggles with um, childhood wounds where it turned into childhood survival skills. And that's exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so what happens is, you know, uh, like I said, so in some cases there's like trauma uh, and the five main uh, childhood wounds that we talk about that I talk about in my practice are there's abandonment betrayal, rejection, injustice, and humiliation. And um, uh, there are others, but those are the main five. And, uh, you know, when I mention those, uh, immediately we go to something like, oh, yeah, I remember in high school, I was rejected by this boy or this girl or something like that. But the truth is, unless there's some sort of traumatic uh, uh, circumstance, like if you were raped or some sort of other trauma happened, then we definitely address that specifically. But aside from that, it doesn't matter where the wound came from. All that matters is that we have it and we're aware of it. Because from that point, then we can move forward and do something about it. And um, it could be maybe when you were like six months old or a year old, you were crying and you reached out for your mom for a hug and she was busy. And in that moment, you got wounded. And there was that abandonment, that rejection and that betrayal. So what we do is we cover up that wound with masks. Mm-hmm. You know, these behaviors, there's, like you said just a couple of minutes ago, survival. Like mm-hmm. I'm wounded, I need to survive right now. And what happens is we carry that behavior that we call a mask, you know, the Band-Aid to put on that wound into our later years. Mm-hmm. And that uh, doesn't work as an adult. Right. And this is where codependency comes from. So we develop these codependent behaviors. So it's Mm -hmm. like being attached to people. So we don't want to be abandoned again. 
we don't want to be betrayed again. We don't want to be hurt again. So we engage in these type of behaviors to be accepted and loved and cared, even at the expense of our own happiness. Wow. I mean, everything you said right there, just it really hits home for me from a personal, very, very deep level. Um, I think we're you know, as you were sharing, I was thinking about uh, validation, right? Just trying to get validity and then getting acknowledgement. Uh, I grew up in a um, a Vietnamese household where there was a huge langu language barrier and language gap. And, um, you know, what you just said there, absolutely. Like there was, we didn't, I didn't feel safe at all. There were so many moments that I swore off even having a conversation with my parents ever again because they kept on re-traumatizing something that I would want to bring up and shed light to, whether it was their verbal abuse. A very trying time for me was when I was 18, Dennis, and I, year, like four years prior to that, um, I was, uh, I was raped by, by a complete stranger, you know, and four years later, I shared this incident with my father and my father was, you know, he, he listened for less than two minutes and the, immediately he turned to me, he said, it was your fault. You know, you shouldn't have put yourself into that position. You were such a rebel anyway. And unfortunately what happened was that he re-traumatized a trauma for me and ultimately, I didn't feel safe. I chose not to talk to them anymore about that. Mm. And so I stuffed it and I stuffed it. And therefore, you know, even though I loved my parents, I love my parents to death, but it's, I know that I can never go to them. You know, that, that saying that in, um, in recovery where it says you can't go buy milk at a hardware store, mm. that just holds so much truth for me. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, and that's a really powerful story. I have a, a similar story with a client I was working with years ago and it was a woman, um, middle-aged woman. And she was, I think 43 at the time. And she was drinking like two or three bottles of wine every night. And she was starting to put on weight. It was causing marriage problems and, you know, it was causing problems in her life. So she came to me because of that to stop drinking. And what happened after about a month of working together, and it always takes like a month, before you really open up and get to the root of the problem. It turned out that when she was 13, she was at sleepaway camp and she hooked up with a boy who was 15 and he, she wanted to stop. He didn't want to, and he ended up raping her. And back then, you know, 35 years ago, uh, you didn't talk about it. Nowadays, like that kid would be in jail, you know, it would be all over the internet and Facebook and it would be a mess. But back then you just didn't talk about it and you can't, hold in that type of pain and trauma forever and then what happens is what you just said that's where addiction comes from so i can't deal with that trauma with that pain so i'm gonna drink or i can't deal with it i'm gonna eat i'm gonna i'm gonna do watch porn or scroll on my phone for six hours a day whatever it is to not have to feel and so what we did was we ended up working through a um, i have a, a four-step forgiveness process that we work through that that takes time uh, to go through it. But once we get to this place of radical forgiveness, mm. where we can really mm -hmm. accept where we are, what happened to us and forgive the person, it doesn't mean you have to like, uh, um, forget what happened. It doesn't mean that uh, you have to hang around with these people. It just means that it, this is what happened to who I am. It's part of who I am. And uh, then from this place of acceptance, I can move forward. 
but if I'm stuck in that path, I can't move forward and I stay stuck and I drink and I, you know, this is where all, all types of addictions come in. But reprogram, and then this is where reprogramming our subconscious mind comes in because once we are aware of this and we can move to this place of forgiveness, then uh, the addictions kind of go away. You know, when we talk about our subconscious mind, uh, are you still following along with me? Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, cool. You know, our, our subconscious mind is running the show here. You know, it, it, 90% of everything we do, we do subconsciously. We don't even realize we're doing it. And we do that because when we were, you know, brushing your teeth, uh, when you're two years old, your parents are like, brush your teeth, brush your teeth, brush your teeth, brush your teeth, every day for weeks and months. And eventually you just brush your teeth. Mm-hmm. You don't say, oh, I'm, I'm going to now go into the bathroom and get pick up my toothbrush and put the toothpaste on and brush my top teeth. You don't do that. You mm-hmm. just brush your teeth. So what happens is over time, we've, we've trained, mm-hmm. we've programmed our minds to say, oh, this is overwhelming or this is painful. I'm going to drink. This right. is overwhelming. This is painful. I'm going to watch porn. I'm going to over, I'm going to eat a pound of cookies every night. Right. I'm going to hang out at Starbucks and spend $30 on coffee every day. That's where addictions come from. And we do that. And those become our conditioned responses to uh. situations. And the good news is we can reprogram the way we think, but it takes longer than, you know, a week or two of, of undoing, you know, three decades of, or four decades of behavior. Oh, absolutely. No, I, you nailed it right there. I mean, it's all about the reprogramming. Um, everything in life is, a, it's, it's very habit forming. Uh, you know, I, I love that you're so open when you talk about addiction, because, you know, pornography is a huge one. And that's one of the biggest I, I, it's like a multi-billion dollar market. They have a multi-billion dollar marketing budget to keep people so addicted, hooked, attached to it, distracted. It's, it's a, everything that is, um, that turns into an addiction. It's, it's all about a distraction. It's you're, you're trying to distract some sort of painful feeling, painful hurt of some sort. And it's, control issues. I know for myself, I had major control issues throughout my life. And the only thing that I was able to control were the things that was easiest to get a hold of. You know, of course, drugs was, you know, it was a little bit harder to access than going to the grocery store to buy a you know, binge foods, right? Or um, alcohol was easy. Um, We would go out to lunch or dinner and we would go drink alcohol and I would find myself just just completely drunk at the end of the night because I was so uncomfortable, you know, with myself. And, um, and that's, you know, that's where my addictions lie, you know, just again, it's just all habit forming stuff. But, um, you know, thank you for saying all of that. There's I, and I love, I love your four step process of forgiveness. It's great. It's, it sounds like there's a process of letting go. It is you figured it out. And I mean, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, I mean, uh, so again, like, in order to move forward, we need to like know where we are. Right, where we stand now, because it's hard to take that first step if you don't know where you stand. So getting to that place of acceptance and forgiveness uh, is really essential for any type of success or inner peace. Uh, you know, everybody's always chasing money. Uh, but you know, if you have a lot of fear, anxiety, insecurity around money, uh, those are part of your personality. The money isn't going to 
fix anything. I'll give you money. I'll give you a hundred thousand. You're still going to have fear and security and anxiety. Mm-hmm. So we have to work on that. And that comes from accepting where you are, accepting what's happened in the past and forgiving and moving forward. So uh, the first part of the forgiveness process is to, we have to get the anger out. Mm-hmm. The anger, the fear, the sadness, the the resentment, the blame, the guilt, the shame. We have to get all of that out because you can't move to a place of love and forgiveness if you're full of hate and anger. So we do that by writing letters, you know, to the person that uh, has uh, wronged us, you know, um, and it goes something like this. I can't believe you. You suck. You did this and what the hell and blah, blah, blah. And it, all the all the anger in there, you have to get all that out onto paper, you know, or on a Word document, whatever you want to do. I find it's effective to write letters in mm-hmm. processes like this because it really slows our brains down. And you write these letters. And here's the thing. You write these letters, depending on the trauma, the, the depth of the pain and the depth of the hurt, the depth of the guilt and the shame. But it, it can go on for months. But we write these letters every day, like one a day. Um, I know when I went through my uh, separation a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. uh, it was really painful. I did it for about a month, you know, just writing these letters every single day um, until you start getting to this place where you're uh, repeating some of the stuff and you're making stuff up you know it's like you did this you suck i hate you blah 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 all these things and then you get to this place where that that anger is gone Mm. you know and Mm -hmm. it's gone and sometimes like i i have a woman i work with who was raped twice by two different men three years apart and really brutally raped Mm -hmm. and we got to this place where she was able to forgive both of them it took about six months Mm -hmm. of writing letters so um uh, and then once we get to that place where the a lot of that anger is gone, we move to the second step, which is I forgive you. You know, I know you were doing the best you can, uh, even though it was hurtful and blah, blah, blah. You were unaware. But during that time, if more anger comes up, we mm-hmm. have to go back to the first process, the first step in the process, because that means there's still anger in there. And mm-hmm. we really need to get to this place of acceptance and forgiveness. And then once we get there, then... Um, then we move into what was my part, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's hard to say, you know, what what part does a child have in being sexually abused or a woman have in being raped? But uh, my part is like, I'm still carrying it around. Why do I feel this way? What, what, how can I release this? And so it's finding a way to accept your part in the situation because mm-hmm. we always have a part. We are responsible for everything in our lives in this moment. Not what happened in the past maybe, but mm-hmm. in this moment. And then once we can admit that, then we move to this place where we can finally forgive ourselves. Um, and that's the most powerful form of forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And once we get to that place, then, you know, all the success and peace and everything you're chasing in the world just starts following you around. It's really beautiful. Oh, that's so beautiful. It really is. I mean, you use that word peace. You know, I think in in every practice in in my coaching business as well as my executive search practice too um i i try to help candidates get aligned with being having grace and being peaceful and i believe that everything is energy and even the energy of of anger is so it sometimes it can get so violent we end up acting out um in very toxic behaviors. Um, and it's just, 
for me, going back to like my say alcoholism, for example, I just use everything, you know, my, my mind, um, it's, it's like an alcoholic mind, you know, it's like, Oh, let me just drink at this. Let me drink at that. Or let me just use this to feel better. But at the end of the day, it was, it was, um, it was because I was not vibrating at a certain energy level and I needed to, um, release it in some sort sort of way, whether it was, you know, you talked about porn or if it was masturbation and whatnot, it's, it's releasing energy. And I, it sounds like to me with your practice, releasing and writing down and getting to the core of what the, what the maybe resentment or the, the situation is, is releasing that energy. And it's such a beautiful process. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that's just one thing, the forgiveness process. That's just one tool in the kit. You know, when, when you say writing, writing is such an integral part of everything that we do and it really needs to be in order for there to be growth. And the work, like when you talk about working with a coach, uh, when you talk about traditional therapy, psychiatrists, psychologists, stuff like that, of course there's value there. Um, if you're there's if you truly have uh, some real mental issues. But a lot of that is talk therapy. And talk therapy is really only effective for like 10% of the people that go to talk therapy. You go, you talk for a little while, you get to a pain point, you hang out there for 10 minutes, and then it's oh, 50 minutes, I'll see you next week. But where's the change? All we did was talk. So I give homework every time. I'm sure you do too. We have to give homework every time. Like if you, if you go back to algebra class in high school, you don't learn algebra by looking at the teacher going X plus Y equals Z minus Q divided by X. That You're never going to learn that formula that way. When do you learn? Mm -hmm. You learn by going home and doing homework, by doing the problems, the practice exercises, reading the books on why these things make sense. It's the same thing here. It's like we meet for a week. We meet in, uh, for an hour uh, once a week or whatever our meetings are. And... Uh, I'm going to give you some homework. It's going to involve some reading. It's going to involve some specific writing, not just journaling. Everybody's like, oh, you should journal, 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 journal. But what are we writing? Oh, I had oatmeal for breakfast and then I went for a walk. Like that's not accomplishing anything. We want to be very specific and intentional about our actions. So, you know, what am I doing well? What's going well? Where could I improve in my life? So we'd be very specific. And in this case, it's writing these uh, forgiveness letters or whatever, how to reprogram our uh, subconscious minds and and uh, redo our uh, our harmful beliefs and behaviors. Writing them down and bringing attention to them is what's going to facilitate the change. You really nailed it right there. It's it's doing the work. Bottom line. Doing the homework, it sounds like an assignment and it sounds something that's dreadful. But if you come back, for example, and I can only imagine I've, I, someone gives you the work or when someone gives you something to do, all it is is just going through a discovery process and it's to get more insights into your life. Maybe it's life-changing truths about yourself that you'd never even really looked at. So when you put pen to paper, you actually see yourself even more and discover some aha moment that you've forgot and it was a blind spot in your life I love that work I love the work that you do in the world and it's just it's such a beautiful process because you're taking people through their own journey you know you're holding space for them so that they can learn more about themselves we talk for 52 years and we would 
still have things to talk about, but it's been being more specific and holding space for someone. It just sounds like that's what you do. And that's what you do for your, your clients. Mm, yeah. And it's a variety of different things. Yes. Holding space, giving them uh, the, uh, that space for the real uh, issues to come out. Rather, we can't be that talk coach, the one that gives advice and says, do this and do that. We have to let them have that space to do that. And once they do, then they open up and people are likely to take their own advice more than ours. So if we get them to, to say the solution and when we just lead them down the right path, and then that's where the healing begins. And, uh, and then you can, uh, the way I was taught about uh, what writing is, putting the pen to paper it's like remember all these things we're talking about our addictions our drinking eating porn whatever it is those aren't the problem that's what i'm using to cope with the problem the real problem is always my thinking that's the problem it's always my thinking so uh you know they, they say on average people have between 60 and eighty thousand thoughts a day yeah. now that's like one per second if those were all productive useful thoughts like that would be amazing but i would say that uh, most of them are useless or even harmful thoughts. So when we're writing down and meditating, combining that with meditating and reading constructive, healthy information, uh, then our brains move to that space. And we're actually, you know, if, if we're having those thousands of thoughts racing through our minds every day, writing helps us organize our thoughts. Be mm-hmm. like, no, that one's, that one's harmful. Oh, that's really useful. I'll expand on that in a minute. Oh, that one's good. This one's not so good, you know. And then, uh, then we can move into a place of action. But if we're so unorganized and our brain's taking us on these, you know, these tornado uh, tailspins, <laughs> we're never gonna get where we want to go. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. You know, when I when I had my coach, my mentor, and and when I'm working with others as well, it's it truly is a clearing process. It's clearing out the garbage. A lot of people ask me, so you're an executive coach, Kathy, or you're an executive recruiter. What does this have to do? Why do, do I have to look at some of these areas? What do I, why do I have to do this if all, all you're here to do is to help find me another job? A lot of the things that we go through, whether it's at a corporate office, Uh, whether it's at home with family members, it's all about relationships and it's how we are relating to people. And that's why, you know, for me, it's really important to get really, to get down to the bottom of it. Now, if it's something that I, if it's more of a mental health issue, of course, I would always suggest that they go get, um, medical medical advice but um but i think a lot of this stuff can be solved through you know writing it down i think it's very impactful so that they can learn on their own journey yeah and you know again what we're talking about uh we've been trained to do this stuff and then some of it comes along with uh just getting older and wisdom and being healthy uh not drinking being aware of you know our uh with the world around us and then eventually we learn, right? We, we grow into this stuff. We can't learn everything all at once. We would never be able to retain it or apply it to our lives. So these things take time. To, it takes time to reprogram, to rewire your thinking. It's 100 miles into the woods and it's 100 miles back out. The, the right. good news is it doesn't have to take as long or be as painful as the trip into the woods. 
But if you have the right guidance and accountability uh, and put in the right amount of effort, then uh, you can make radical changes in your life. And that's what we do. We guide people through uh, to uh, a happier, more successful uh, place in their lives. And success, you know, is different for everybody. You know, I saw the most amazing post the other day mm-hmm. I want to share. Mm-hmm. And it was about this guy. He really broke down. He's like, everybody's like, I need a million dollars. I need a million dollars. Well, what one of the things I do when I start working with clients is we write down a, a business plan for life. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever written a business plan, but remember, if I don't know where I'm going, I'm going to end up someplace else. So we mm-hmm. write down what, what I call a dream plan. Mm-hmm. So what's your what's your mission statement? What are your strengths, your weaknesses, your opportunities, your threats? What are you trying to do in your life? And let's make a plan to get there. Mm-hmm. And when we do that, now we have clear direction. Because without clear direction, I'm going to end up someplace else. And when we're doing these uh, processes, you know, doing the work on a weekly basis, you know, little bells and whistles and lights start going off and we start to understand things differently than we used to. And then that's where success happens. But if you start, you know, making your plan, be like, okay, I want to have this kind of car, this kind of house, this kind of uh, spouse, this kind of family, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, if you really add all that up, it doesn't cost millions of dollars. It really doesn't. You know, it depends on what your goals and vision are. If they're reasonable, you know, we want to make reasonable goals. Now, I'm saying go big, too. If you do want to make $10 million, then we can do that. That's called an umbrella goal. We stick that up there, and then let's shoot for uh, realistic milestones along the way. But uh, to achieve most of your dreams, like I want to buy a house. Okay, well, maybe that's half a million, maybe a little more. I don't know, but that's achievable. Mm. But if you just say, I want to make $10 million, and then you keep falling short every day, now I feel like a failure. So right. we really need to break all of this down into manageable chunks. And then mm. all of a sudden, your life unfolds exactly the way you want it to, and even better. Oh my gosh, I love that so much. Dream goals, passion goals, guys. We we have to have it. A lot of times I ask people, what are your, some of your dreams? And it's like deer in headlights. Like, oh my gosh, dreams. You know, I feel like, I mean, especially during this time, um, you know, with the economy and the things that are happening in the world, a lot of people are disenchanted and um, their spirit is just so, I don't want to use the word broken, but it's you know, it's, it's uh, very discouraging, you know, there's not a lot of hope for the future. A lot of people come from that mindset of, you know, the sky is falling, the sky is falling, what's the use anyway. And, Mm. um, you know, just to have, to have dreams, have goals, have passions to, to something to live into where you start writing it down enough, you'll start believing it. And then you'll also start becoming that person that you want to, that you want to be because one of my dreams, I don't know about you, but you know, I've always written down, I want to meet Oprah. You know, I keep writing this down like year after year after year, it's been 15 years. I haven't met her yet, but at Mm. some point I will meet her. And then another dream goal of mine has always been to be on the Ted stage. So I actually had an opportunity to go to Canada um, in December on December 4th. But unfortunately, the event organizer that I've been working with, he is retiring. And so he's giving me another path to get onto the TED stage. But it's just something that is achievable if we believe that that's what we want. And and it doesn't matter what it looks like. And it doesn't honestly, it doesn't matter what other people think of us, because what really matters is 
my happiness. And that will make me so happy if I can achieve some of these little goals, even though it just sounds so extraordinary. But to have these dream goals, Dennis, it's just so important. And thank you for, you know, thank you confirming confirming that for me as well. So yeah, I mean, those are beautiful uh, dream goals. And those are achievable 100%. And then but if you align yourself, uh, it's like, be very specific. Again, everything we do is very specific and very intentional. Uh, because being vague got me where I am, which is stuck, right? Why? You know, we don't call uh, coaches usually if everything's like going perfectly well, right? I have enough money, the relationship's good, I'm perfectly healthy. Why I don't need to change anything. But uh, if we uh, are honest and then we we set out a clear path with that's specific and intentional, then we just break it down and we get there. It's that easy. We make life really hard. And like one thing you were talking about, the sky is falling, we catastrophize everything. And mm-hmm. most things are, you know, making a mountain out of a molehill. There was this guy uh, years ago, a funny guy in AA when I used to go there, he's like, I pole vault over mouse turds. <laughs> I can I can envision that. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's like, oh, there's this little problem here. So this, these are the things we used to drink at, like you were talking about earlier. This is a problem. I'm going to drink at this, right? And then, you know, the next day, now I'm full of regret, guilt, remorse, shame, whatever it is. When I could just be equipped with some healthy, you know, to handle life as it comes at you. It's never going to stop coming. We never reach it. I don't give out false uh, hope to anybody. It's like, you know, mm-hmm. relationships can be challenging. We can have money challenges, health challenges, whatever it is. But we don't have to, uh, you know, destroy our lives over these uh, problems that always have solutions. Something that uh, you reminded me of is my father just recently retired and he had a huge sense of purpose his entire career as being a uh, bus operator for the MTA in Los Angeles. And one of the things that he used to do a lot was throw money at our at problems for us kids. And it gave him some sense of worth. And, um, you know, now that he's retired, he's you know, he's, he's kind of gone on, on the deep end, you know, smoking a lot more, not having a lot of things to do. My, my parents are still bickering, you know, and going back to the, the, the topic that we chose in the beginning was codependency, you know, Mm. growing up, he kept on throwing money at, at our problems and it made him feel good about it. But I, I know that my parents deal with codependency in, a, in their own different, like in their own separate ways, but it can, it can manifest this whole codependency thing in trauma and childhood wounds can manifest in so many different areas. And again, just going back into the workforce, you know, we bring, we, we drag our childhood problems into the workforce. And sometimes that's why it doesn't work. You know, management and leaders, you know, they're, they're not very self-aware and then they, um, you know, they blow up and they, they're out of control. They have anger issues. And it sounds like anybody can use this, you know, your services um, from any type of profession. I think, I mean, would you agree anybody can use some sort of uh, self-development and self-help work? (laughs) Every single person on the planet 
We all need somebody to be accountable to. We all need coaches. You know, when you, uh, when you look at all of our success heroes, whoever your success hero might be, Oprah, Bill Gates, uh, Bezos, Richard Branson, uh, you know, fill in the blank. Whoever your hero is, they all, every single one of them has coaches, mentors, accountability partners. Nobody does this on their own. None of them reach high levels of success on their own. And in most cases, they have teams of coaches mm. and uh, accountability partners. They don't just make a decision and stick out a billion-dollar product. It's tried and tested and rejected and uh, revamped. And uh, people have to realize that. And, you know, when you see uh, Jeff Bezos, you know, you have to remember Amazon, which is, you know, the biggest company in the world. They own the world right now. He started selling by selling used books in his garage. It started as a used book website in the nineties. Wow. And now it now they own server space that supports Facebook and they own Whole Foods. They I mean, so uh you we have to these things take time. Steve one of my favorite quotes is Steve Jobs comes it says uh, you know, if you look closely, most overnight success stories took a long time. <laughs> You know, and that's the truth. And it took a long time, a lot of sleepless nights and efforts and stress and failing. Did you know that Walt Disney went bankrupt multiple times? Oh, I I didn't know know if you knew that. Yeah, before he built his empire. And along the way, you have help. And we all need help. And the way I coach, uh, I coach, my background is addiction recovery because I've been sober almost 20 years. But, uh, you know, I work with couples and teens. My style of coaching works across all different areas of life it doesn't matter if you're a man a woman a boy or a girl we all can use these principles to become more self-aware wow dennis you are a gift to this world and i'm so so grateful i'm so blessed to know you and now to call you my friend i'm sure i can pick up the phone when i have a little a little hiccup i can sure i can lean on you um so forever Oh my gosh, forever. Now we know each other forever. So guys, did you hear that? Dennis is such an incredible human being. And, you know, he's definitely um, out there helping, helping individuals, um, families and teens. And if you ever need anybody that uh, is a, um, a, a great coach, a, I, I don't know, do you call yourself a life coach or what? Um... Yeah. Yeah. Life mastery coach is what I call myself. Uh, addiction recovery loving relationships. And one thing I wanted to share mm-hmm. is that uh, in early October, I think it's October 2nd, I forget the date, we're doing a four-week uh, codependency uh, course uh, online. So it's a group coaching course that's going to last four weeks on how to shatter codependency. Oh, and that's- it's, it's going to be a great course. And I encourage everybody to come and get a huge discount if you sign up through Kathy here. Oh, that's so amazing. Yes, um, I will definitely get that information and put it onto our podcast link info. Um, But Dennis, thank you so much for the conversation about codependency and reprogramming your subconscious mind today. And, you know, can you please let our audience know where they can find you? The very best way is to go to my website, which is DennisBerry.com. And from there, you can buy my book, you can schedule a free session with me. You can watch Life Mastery School, which is a series of videos that I have on my website uh, for free for right now. And um, there's, I think, about 100 videos on 
uh, there's a section on addiction recovery, love and relationships. There's one on uh, mindfulness and meditation, which is a, we didn't even talk about, which is a crucial part of uh, any type of uh, self-awareness and life journey. And there's one on health and wellness as well. Mm, that's so perfect. Well, great. Excellent. I will definitely include all your contact information, your email address and all that in the link. So yeah, thank you very much, Dennis. I am so grateful. And again, I appreciate you being on the podcast today. Thank you so much, Kathy. You are also a blessing and I'm grateful that we got to finally connect. Yes, me too. Okay. All right. Bye guys. Thank you so much for listening to this conversation. If you enjoyed it and want to dive into another Stay Unmuted episode, check out the links in the podcast description. Life is a journey of continuous, beautiful conversations, one after another. I want to stay unmuted and bring you more inspiration just like this.